From the dry hills of Santa Clarita, California, it's time for America's least listened to podcast. It's Christianese with your blessing-filled hosts, Jared Burkholder, Dan Sajoff, and Brian Irwin. Welcome to Christianese. I'm Dan Sajoff. This, of course, is the show where two Christians and an agnostic expose hypocrisy, search for meaning, and talk about life. Also, hot dogs, Dan. Hot I would dogs. Love an episode on hot dogs. <laughs> Processed here. meats. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm, Brian just gave me the signal that the chair is creaking. Okay, well, the whole point it's of actually, me doing it silently was no. to not point and bring <laughs> no, it up. I want to talk about it because Brian thinks it's the chair. It's my bones. <laughs> it is your bones. It's my hip. But also, we're in your 1700s mansion here in California. <laughs> it's a craftsman style. It's lovely. <laughs> it's the bones in the wall, really. Just wait till the flatulence starts, Brian, if you think the creaking is bad. Oh, my gosh. An old man on an airplane. That's it. Oh, man. Welcome, gentlemen. Well, here we are. Um, without you know getting too far in the weeds of this, we just had a, uh, our midterm primary election? Is that what it was yesterday? It was. It was. We're based in California, for those of you who don't know. I'm curious to ask you guys this, because Janelle and I, my wife and I, realized this the night before, that mm-hmm. we knew none of the candidates. And so we went online, and thankfully we found a website that like was titled um, Procrastinators Voting Guide. But do you guys, <laughs> are you researching like the uh, the county assessor? Are you doing some background on this guy? No. No, I just kind of, I just kind of try to guesstimate I think I used to go off which name sounded more conservative, but that didn't work because then I looked them up, and that was not a good indicator. Actually, yeah. I go based on Facebook profiles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Solely, what what your picture looks like. If you right. ever, if you were ever on MySpace and you decided to take your shirt off, I can't vote for you as yeah. your profile pic. What if they're yeah. still on MySpace? Would you vote for them now? <laughs> I always that's their one. Profile. I like the people who have somehow they've convinced the voter guide to put in their their nickname in the middle of it. I saw this one guy yesterday. Yes. In the middle, it's like something lower taxes, Rocky. whatever. Rocky. Yeah. yeah. Rocky lower taxes Malaguena or whatever his name was. And I was like, that's classic. How do, Who did you pay off? Because he's literally the only guy in the voter guide who has his hook right in the middle yeah, of this. Yeah, that's cable TV right there. <laughs> Right, his catchphrase. I loved it. I was like, "Sweet, dude!" So I voted for for lower taxes. Vote for America. Yeah, that's it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it's quite a treat. And then, uh, yeah, the governor choices. Twenty four? No, twenty seven. Twenty seven choices for governor. governor. One of them was a hip hop artist. No, who works. As like a landscaper, so mm-hmm. he's a landscaper. So he's, in, as I say, let's let's do we, when you when you yeah. actually dole That's out true. the actual titles, there's some of them go before the other ones. Right. So right. did you say manscaper or landscaper? <laughs> landscape. Well, well, that might be something. I mean, you know, <laughs> this, is, this is Los Angeles. Yeah, absolutely. Landscaper, uh, hip hop artist, gubernatorial candidate, which I think uniquely qualifies him. Right? Wow. I mean, let's be honest. I didn't. I missed that whole thing. Did you see the hip artist artist slash manscaper? Which also was great. What is it again? Something something wildcat. No, wow. but I did go out to uh, uh, last week. I was out to dinner, and for whatever reason, one of my dinner guests uh, brought the um, the booklet the with him to yeah, the voting guide booklet, and was like, <laughs> we, we were we were just we were just reading over all the stuff. And some people, what what I found kind of funny was some people were just like. 
you know, the, you know, there, you're a lot of description. Yeah. And, and one person was just like, just because like that was it. That was yeah. their whole, just because that was their whole speech. You know what I mean? Like, was it a well, fifth grader? That's yeah, like <laughs> it may as well have just been. Cause. Just cause also yeah. shotgun on the way home. How about that? How did you, so how did you do the research on this hip hop artist? Cause I totally missed that. Well, Janelle and I, it was like nine o'clock at night. We do the vote by mail thing because I don't like people. And so we oh, sat see. down. And Excellent. Like, okay, That's a good take, quality in a pastor. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so you take governor, I'll take lieutenant and governor. We divvied it up. And so, but like I couldn't find anything on half these candidates. Like yeah, one yeah. of them was one sentence. And oh, some of the God. platforms are just, I don't know if this is the way the rest of the country, but there's some kooky people out here. Oh, yeah. Apparently it doesn't take much to be. There's kooky people everywhere. Yeah. One of the three of us is probably labeled as kooky. So I think the difference yeah. out here is you wear your kookiness as a badge of honor, whereas most places, I think you kind of hide, you tend to hide your kookiness a little bit. It or only you comes try out in occasional twitch. Well, perhaps. Or you're keeping it hidden right. for yeah. so long. Right. Yeah. Or on the 4th of July. On the- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, when you got the Roman candle on the roof, you're like, hey, come here. This is normal, right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, we'll see how it all shakes out. I'll tell you, they they can't get enough election coverage. It just, oh, my gosh, between the national and the local, I couldn't find anything else on TV. So I was like, all right, time for bed. see, I was watching TV land, and it was all great. You know, we were back in the 1960s. Yes. It was great. Yeah, I know. Yeah, politics is, uh, it it can drive you insane. I mean, I I remember an uncle of mine that... Loved him when I was little, and the older yeah. I got, the more I was like, I'm getting scared of this guy because, like, he just yeah. like got yeah. so like it became a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's yeah, almost yeah. like for some people, it's the way they 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 talk about politics the same way they would talk about if they were a Bears fan and you were a yeah. Packers fan. No. They get like right. livid, yeah. and you're like, slow your roll, Captain. Yeah. All like, sides, it's not, yeah. Like, All sides are gonna be. Okay are we gonna here. fight in the parking lot right now? Yeah. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> you're my uncle, yeah. and I can't even vote. I'm 14. You're right. scaring me. <laughs> Please stop yelling, Uncle Mark. <laughs> but during this season, I always put an extra tire iron in my car in case yeah. those discussions right. happen. You know, right, 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 right. To, oh yeah, yeah. We have to get you just down in, to business. Yeah, in case you got to get serious about it. Yeah. Now, people. I mean, it is. It becomes their their sports team, right? Yeah. Because all their whole identity is like we won or we lost last night or whenever it is, or even just in the daily news cycle. Right. And then you you're you're either high or low depending on. I was like that, like in the mid. Uh, Five, six years ago, Jill and I caught ourselves like that. And it was just, it was a mess. And yeah. we, we had to finally just completely pull back. Not that you don't still have convictions and feel certain ways, but but if you live and die by the latest political thing, it'll, yeah, it'll lead you over the place. Yeah, yeah I, I think you, you have to look at politics the same way you look at anything else in life. It's not a race, it's a marathon, and you need to just simmer down. Like, there is no, like, today yeah. is not going to be the end-all, be-all. Tomorrow is not going to be the end-all, be-all. No. Everything kind of comes out, shakes itself out over time. So I think living on the edge all the time, that's the thing that scares me about politics is like some people just live on the edge all the time. It's like, how can you like, just go take a break, go take a breather, go do a push up, go have a, you know, go have a chocolate shake, go do something, calm down. It's going to be okay. In the end, no matter where it falls for you, it's going to be okay. Right. Is that, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, you. No, no, no. Okay, well, which is I, why I don't panic. But like, well, you guys did all that research. Bravo to you. I would have. I probably be more like Dan. I've been looking at him like. Hmm. I like that name. Hmm, yeah. Yeah. Let's go with that guy. Where are the darts? <laughs> it's been that before. You oh know, yeah. You got like twenty minutes to decide, which is a great way to be you know, good. fulfill your civic duty. Yeah. Exactly. So I was listening to National Public Radio on the way over here. NPR. NPR. I'm Robert Siegel. Um, they were talking about this, right? Was good. They were talking about the um, the. The fact that Trump has disinvited 
the Eagles and mm-hmm. other sports teams. And mm-hmm. so at the risk of alienating uh, even the few people who might ever listen to this, what mm-hmm. do you guys think about the, the national anthem thing and standing? Is this too, is this too down, the, down the road in um, politics? Yeah. Uh, I personally, you know, look, I, I, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I, I would I I wouldn't kneel for that, but but again, if somebody does, like I'm not going to lose any sleep over that. Um, I I think everybody again, we get to this this point where we've talked about this before, but everybody is so outraged about everything, and we we are ready to be outraged at the at the drop of a hat. Eager, yeah, we're eager to on on whatever side you come down on, and. Look, people have to. This is a free society, and I think people can can do what they want to do in those in those situations, especially for something like like that. And I may not agree with it, but I'm not. I'm just. I'm not going to go to Battle Mountain on that that particular issue. I don't know. What do you think, Brian? Well, I'll start by saying that um, every Monday at my kid's school, they say. Take off your hats, put your hand over your heart, and then they do the Pledge of Allegiance. Right. Not a single child there has any idea why on earth what it means. they took right. their hats off, put their hand over their heart, and said the Pledge of Allegiance. Right. They do it, and right. they move on with their lives. Right. And in a weird way, it comes off like it's some bizarre conditioning, because yeah, totally. there's no discussion of it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like, there's no pretext. Yeah. There's no There's no grander understanding. And, the, and here's the thing, too. There's only so much you can have with a kid at that age because it's not until they get to the the end of uh, elementary school and middle school and high school where they start really understanding the history of the United States it's it's like they're just their brains aren't developed enough at that point to get that much information so Absolutely. it takes them time so they're preconditioned before they really truly understand what all that means in the first place so that that just gives you an idea of context where I, where 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 I start the, what i don't like about the whole thing is um uh, it, it's a false narrative, which is why everybody's angry. It's right. it, we're looking at this all wrong. If we would have ever, I think the NFL, quite frankly, is the one that made the biggest mistake here. If there's if there's a finger to point, they didn't handle this properly when it first came out. They should have just got behind this and said, "What's up? Let's have a dialogue. Let's talk about this," because the actual story of how we got here is Colin Kaepernick sat on a seat. A veteran said, don't do that. That's disrespectful. Here's what you should do. You can take a knee. A knee is a sign of respect in our world. When you take a knee, you're not disrespecting. Is that true? I didn't know the genesis of this. Yeah, he said, you're not disrespecting the the flag. You're not disrespecting. When you take a knee, you're actually showing respect, but you can also still get your message across by taking the knee. So basically, basically when you're saying the message across, meaning everybody else is standing up, you're down. We'll right. be like, well, why is he taking the knee there? I didn't know so, that. Yeah. So he actually took the knee because it was a former NFL player who was also, I believe, an Iraq war veteran who mm-hmm. pulled him aside and said, why don't you do this instead? Mm-hmm. But what happened was it got hijacked. Right. And once it got hijacked, no matter how many times African-Americans were saying, no, 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 no. This is why we're doing it. We chose this platform not because of themselves. And that's the funny thing is also it was never about the football players. It was the football players realizing that they've got it pretty good. They have something wonderful happening in their lives. But they also realized they could use that wonderful right. part of their it's lives a as a platform for yeah. all those that are disenfranchised or will never have those wonderful lives. Sure. And if you can just stick to the core of that, that's where the discussion should have happened. And instead, we did what you were talking about, Dan. 
which was we immediately just got upset and took and, and chose chose a side and turned it into the argument about sides instead of what it should have been. And it should have never gotten to a an uninvited, which I find that to be extremely petty anyway. I think yes, that was absolutely. that that's not solving a problem. It's not what no one's no one wants to talk about why it happened. We just want to talk about you either stand or you don't. And I think that's where the that that's the America we live in now. It's like we're gonna let's pick a side and, it's and let's fight about it. It's overtly simplistic, right? Because yeah. those guys are not doing what they're doing in order to disrespect the military and no, the flag. They they're talking about again. something totally different. Yeah. Right. And again, I think, I think on their side though, I don't know if it's really affected any change because to your point, we haven't had really any discussion. So it becomes all about the act of what you're doing, but it's not, it hasn't, I don't know if it's furthered the discussion to the point now it's become such a point of contention that all the other stuff becomes just noise, like the real issue of it, rather than being able to talk about it. And I think that's, but you you mentioned something really interesting. You said in terms of the context of kids not knowing the actual, what is the, what is the national anthem mean? What does the flag stand for? I think religion, the same thing happens is people go through the motions in terms right. of praying or saying Jesus. Jesus or whatever, but they don't. They don't know. Most people, most non-Christians, I end up having conversations with, have no idea what the fundamental gospel is. That the fact that the even the Old Testament and the New Testament is part of the same story. People are like, wait a minute, no, I thought one was like fire and two guts and gods, brimstone. Right? Yeah. yeah, two different gods. So I think that's very common in our societies. We don't. We don't even really know what something stands for, but then we just go ahead and launch into attack mode. Yeah, and I want to be clear. I don't think that the school or any school, for that matter, is doing it. With with that intent, I just think it's that hurry no. up. Let's just get it. Let's just do it because this is what we yeah. do, and they, and it this evolved into do. no communication about it, right? And I think which they, could be an important lesson if you wanted to, regardless of how you come down on it. That's that's interesting, and that's learning rather than just the same thing with with religion. I think you know if you actually study it and learn, even if you don't agree with it, it can be really an interesting. Uh, exercise, if nothing else. Now, for you know, for for you and I, for Jared and I, that wouldn't be the case because it resonates with us as as truth. Right. But I think a lot of times, too, people just will gloss over that. And, and, and Christians are certainly good. We all get guilty of that. We're like, okay, well, let's just check the box. And I don't even really know what this means, but that's okay. I mean, I think you know, part of us hitting the Christianese button is just admitting that there. I was raised in a tradition, and, and I think we've all been, or you and I, have been part of that. That. Um, people go through the motions of religion without believing the substance of it and think that the motions is what, what is actually there, right? So, right? so the trappings of a religion become the substance of it, and right. the real substance is ignored. Right. And I think part of what we want to keep doing here is have conversations that draw substance and kind of maybe push the trappings to the side. I think they can be a distraction sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry that got heavy. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> let's loosen it up now, everybody. Yeah. Uh, How about we check our voicemail just so we can kind of... Sure, yeah. Let's, let's check our voicemail. Let's take a check here. Good afternoon. Um, my name is Jerry, and I just wanted to say how much I enjoy your program. I'm sorry. And uh, it's really always so nice to be able to hear young men discuss things from an issue-oriented standpoint and um, to not have it be contentious. Oh, goodness gracious. I had carne asada for lunch, so you have to pardon me. Anyhow, uh... Oh, goodness. I think I'm... Oh, goodness. I'm going to have to call you back. Wow. Uh... Again, I'm stunned by the content of our, uh, first of all, the, the interest from our listeners to leave a voicemail. Right. 
and the 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 variety of calls that we get. I yeah. mean, who would have known that we're you know permeating markets in Singapore, yeah, uh, deep into the African continent, and yes. then also in New Jersey, right, you know? Jersey. Yeah. That's what Facebook ads will do for you. Right. Yeah. Right. Gosh. They're paying off. I'm what, really glad I I'm working with some Russian trolls right now that are getting us in all kinds. We're going to be on WhiteHouse.gov here soon. Uh, taking over Nike.com. Yeah. To be really, really great. Yeah. Uh, you know, you had a you you asked Brian an interesting question last week that I wanted to follow up on. Um, you, your question to him to think about for this week was what? How would you define? Because you 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 would call yourself an agnostic. So what is what does that mean to you? How would you define that? I'm just interested in getting the term defined. What that means to you? And I think to preface it, I just yes. think you know when people say I'm a Christian, that can mean a lot of different things. Yes, I think that's true with an agnostic too. So you define kind of maybe what you mean by. Um, yeah, what does agnosticism? What does agnosticism mean to you, Brian? Well, I may give you guys a very disappointing answer. We'll tell you it's disappointing. It's 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 evolution. It's just in my lifetime seeing how things evolve. So to assume that you have all the answers, I think, is ignorant. So I think I want, there there was a time where I was I was like I said I was raised Catholic, and then I I then I I probably would have considered myself temporarily an atheist, but then I kind of woke up one day and I'm like, well, how dare I? Because I see the world evolving around me, and I didn't really put the time and the energy into doing the research or looking into stuff, and was just kind of like basing it on you know things that were happening around me or somebody saying something or doing something. Um, that I was just like, okay, well, maybe the best way to live this life is to maintain a certain level of openness and ha- and have an open mind, and be hyper aware, and realize and I think I may have said this in the beginning but you know um, life is not a race it's 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 a journey it's a marathon it's going to take some time mm-hmm. and uh, I don't anticipate having all the answers by tomorrow so yeah I'm just what about I think that's Friday, why I Brian? call myself agnostic is because I just genuinely don't have all the answers if you were to ask me a question I can't say with defin- like some people be like no no you're wrong right well I don't know if anybody really truly has all the answers. I mean, there's certain things in scientific fact that you can answer, but in respects to like uh, everything, you know, the universe and all that kind of stuff, I don't have all the answers. I don't know. So for you, it's rooted less in maybe skepticism and more in openness. Am I putting? No, I think it's both. I think that, um, and, and what I mean by that, as an example, it's like skepticism would be probably based on information or stories that are shared with you. You're like, yeah, I don't see how that would happen based on the way that I think the world works. And then openness would be like, however, some if you can if you can shed some light on something, I'm more than open to hearing about it. Right. Versus just being a douchebag and being like, I'm sorry, are you still right. talking right now? Because I made my mind up 30 years ago. Shut your mouth or yeah. I'll shut it for you. How yeah. About yeah. That, that yeah. Kind of, I just, I don't know... I, I think we should never stop seeking truths and, and, and never stop seeking information and so, wanting to learn and wanting to evolve. I, I think that those, that to me, at least for me, I think that that's just, that's worth the journey then yeah. when all said and done. Never Thank stop you. seeking. I think that's, that's helpful for me. Yeah. There are things in life that you are certain about, right? Such as when you asked that, that's an open-ended question. Yeah, open, wasn't it? Um, but you said you, you talk about scientific fact, for instance. So there's some things that we can all just kind of agree. Okay, that is categorically inescapably true. So for you, what helps you differentiate between things that you would say I'm going to be open about that, and other things where no, I'm I'm pretty confident that this is real and true. Well, that's the difficult question, right? Because unfortunately for me, when it comes to the reason why I stay agnostic is because of human behavior. 
of, of most religious people. It's their behaviors that I think are off-putting to me. And, um, and, in, and until I see otherwise, I just don't want to join that group. And, and I know that sounds like mean, but I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to say that my exposure uh, hasn't been a good one. And so, sorry, it's like, it would be like anything. It's like uh, going to a school or taking a job. If you're not jiving with those people, if you're like, no, you're off, you're, you're, you're off your rocker. You're not a good person. I'm not, I can't join you. Like right. that, that's, I'm basing it on personal experience. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Just my personal experience. I don't tell other people how to live their lives. I want to be very clear about that. This is just my personal journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting because last time as we, t as we spoke, that's one thing that came out that I thought was, was interesting from your standpoint is terms of being a good person. It's, and so I would say, what, what is your standard? How would you define being a good person? You know, can I can I just give you a, a quick example Absolutely. of of and I'll get to myself personally because I make mistakes every day. I'm hypocritical, and I'm, there are many days where I am not a good person. Jared and I, are I perfect, make I make so. horrible decisions. Okay, so I want to be very clear be, that yeah. I'm not a good person. But I um, I was uh, I was at the mall yesterday, and um, there was a lot of Latter Day Saints that were outside. You know, the people that stand there with their pamphlets, and they've got like a basically a little mini mall that they they set up and yep. they stand there, and. Um, I just want to point this out because this this is, I think, what a lot of non-religious people see when they walk past. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. I, I I assess the situation. They stood there. They were well dressed. They had their pamphlets. They were ready to go. Mm -hmm. They try to work you by making your eye contact, and um, they would talk to people that were passing by. The interesting thing about that whole thing was next to them, lying on the ground, were homeless people. Mm -hmm. They never once went over there and said a word to those people. Yep. They didn't deal with them. They didn't offer them water. They didn't offer food. They didn't offer them comfort. Yeah. And I've always believed that, to me, the best sales pitch, and this is not just religion, the best sales pitches in life yeah. are actions, not words. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have a hard time um, not trying to convince people to come with us sure. versus having them want to come with you because of who you are, how you behave, how you carry yourself, what motivates you, sure. and why you would want to be hanging out with somebody is because they're just, it's, 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 it's how they behave, not what they tell you should, you should do or how you should act. It's right. that, that, and and it, it, it was in that moment, and again, am I being extremely judgmental and critical? Yes, but I was thinking to myself, there's your moment right there. You'd rather just sell me on a pamphlet than to sell me by doing a good act. Sure, sure, you sure. You missed me. You, you lost me. Sure. And again, the Latter-day Saints will never get me. But my point is... <laughs> but they're coming for you, Brian. Because right. if they're Donnie and coming. Marie couldn't get you, yeah, nobody they, can get you. My, my, but you understand my point. My point yeah. is yeah. It's, it's action. It's, yeah. it's inspiration through who you are and how you behave and what you sure. do. Now, being a good person, that's, that's kind of the thing. And, and this is where I'm at a fault. And this is what I was telling you about last week. You know, you know you're fostering... Uh, you know, when you, when somebody fosters a child, like to me, that's being a good person. That's just doing it because you're a good person. You know, there doesn't have to be a motivation behind it. You just react. Uh -huh. Your natural instinct is to want to do good in that situation. And, and I, and I know I have that in me, 
you know, somebody who's so funny, like I saw a bunch of, we, we did a walk for, my wife uh, works at Children's Hospital and we were doing a walk to raise money. Yeah, yeah. And somebody had collapsed and there was like, and we were around <laughs> oh a gosh. lot of doctors and I started going yeah. towards him to help. And my wife's like, I think there's enough doctors here that can take care of this <laughs> sweetie. I don't but wait a minute, I'm a writer slash actor. I think right. I could probably I have a movie help. coming. <clears throat> yeah. Clear, clear. Now what do I do? But, and it's not me tooting my own horn, but that just goes to, the, but my, my, my first instinct was go towards the situation, not mm-hmm. turn my head away right. and just keep going with life. So I, I guess for me, like being a good person is try to find yourself in every situation and you're never going to be 100%. I'm at about 52%. You're higher than I am. Success rate yeah. of being a good person. Yeah. Um, is is just trying to recognize the situation, take a breath, and go. What, what's the what's the what's the best thing I can do right now? Because re- a- your actions get the better reaction. Yeah, right. Anyway, you got another long winded response from me, and I know it probably it I was do, probably Brian. full of it's, it didn't. <laughs> no, it's great. I, I probably Let said me pull absolutely out this nothing. Binder right. I've compiled. <laughs> no, does I, that help? Wait, it's super helpful. You? Yeah, I, very I think helpful. I'm still trying to. This sounds weird, but climb in your head and, and just think through your worldview. So, what would you say aside from being a good person, which I think is I think a lot of worldviews across the world, across the religious faith spectrum would, on some level, at least on paper, agree to that. Sure. What would you say are some guiding principles that maybe shape the way you think about life? So um, maybe what helps, and if this is way too open-ended and not helpful, just tell me, but you know, when it comes to morality, what helps shape your view of morality? Um, what helps shape your view of, of what success looks like in the world and what hope looks like in the midst of hopeless situations? Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, I mean... Cause and effect, I think, really, for me, boils down to everything. There, there is right and there is wrong. And I think it's built inside of us to know we have a gauge. Some people's gauges are just broken. And that's why they're, they're, there's just some people that are just going to be criminals no matter what you do. There's some people that are going to cheat the system no matter what you do. I just, because I just believe that their wiring is broken. And, and that's a small percentage. And there's everybody else that I think can kind of, if they're, if they're recognizing the system... Can you get into that a little bit? So mm-hmm. yeah. you say wiring is broken. Yeah. What do you mean by that? And how would you account for the existence of evil in the world? How would I, how would I account for it? Yeah. I, I literally call it just bad wiring, like bad birthing. Like they were just not born like genetics right. Genetics? Yeah, they were just not born right. Things just do not get put together right. And they just do not, just things are not connecting. It's just not connecting right. And there's, 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 there's something... That is not allowing, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, and I'm talking about a very small percentage of people, that no matter what you do or what you say to them or how much you try to help them, it's not going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I, but again, small percentage. And then there's these other people that have to be reformed. They have to be reshaped. They have to be guided. And if they are forgotten and they don't get reformed, they don't get <laughs> they don't get reshaped. Yeah. they will continue to fall down that path as well, right? So there's that those people, and then there's the majority of us, which just live day to day, making mistakes, doing our best. We we go through this whole life, never being known who we are. And we and we live a decent life. We we start a family. We are part of generations and we have decent jobs. You know what I mean? We're just, we're just the normals, right? Mm-hmm. We're just the regulars. And then there's the, 
the next level, the, uh, the, the, the semi-extremes, and then the, ex- the extreme extremes. You know what I mean? So I, that's, uh, to me, I just break life down into these very basic categories, you know? And I believe that the majority of us just live quietly and silently and happily in the middle. Mm-hmm. Except for my neighbors. <laughs> very loud. Very yeah, loud. Yeah, very loud. And out in the middle of the street, but, actually. Yep. But I, I want to be very clear about the people in the middle. Mm-hmm. The people in the middle, the majority, they're not bad people. They're just quiet people that just kind of go, I'm just going to live whatever life I've been handed. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. And not everybody strives for that. A lot of people strive for more. And I don't think we should look down on people that are just okay with whatever. So one more question, and then... And I know this... I didn't answer your question. No, no, no you did. I think you did. You did. Yeah. You, uh, no, you absolutely... And again, this whole experiment in this podcast is, is, a, is, to use your phrase from before, is a marathon, not a sprint. We, we don't want to profess that at the end of each episode, we're going to have a tidy answer for... for you right. know, for you or... For, this isn't a sitcom, right? Where we figure right. everything out in 25 minutes. We're trying to honestly draw you out. And I, you and I have a history, so we know each other better. But Jared doesn't as much. And I think it's helpful, too, because as we draw things out of you, then we can start formulating responses and things that to then to share with you our worldview, just so we can see maybe where those things intersect. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Yeah, Jared? so one more question, and then mm-hmm. I'd love to talk about the Christian worldview, kind of on the same bullet points. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd be curious to see how you'd respond to that. Um, but I think it's really helpful when trying to figure out somebody's worldview to see how their worldview accounts, um, not, not accounts for evil, but provides hope, right? So something bad happens to you or your family, you lose a job, you lose a family member, disease comes in. What is it that kind of anchors you in the midst of the sometimes tumultuous elements of life? I think it, uh, for me personally, it's family structure. It's, it's who's there to support you. And, and just, and, and, and at the end of the day, um, and this is going to sound cheesy, but the, the people that are around you, that they, they uh, are there to acknowledge that they're, they're with you and that they love you and that they will, they will go with you uh, down that journey no matter what. Um, and I, I don't dig too deep into what their reasons are. I just think that, that there's, a, there's a, a communal thing uh, in my world uh, that people just come together again because they just believe whatever their inspiration is. They believe in just being good people. I don't ask a lot of people when I meet them. Like I think it took a long time for me to even know that you were Christian because it wasn't. It's like I don't. I'm, I, I don't. That's not what it's about. I need to know you, the guy, mm-hmm. the person. Right. Obviously, I met you, so I already knew your foundation. And I think that any foundation, if used properly, is is amazing. I think any foundation that is abused is where it becomes problematic. Right. And so I don't, I don't try to ask people initially what their foundation is. Mm-hmm. I just judge them based on the way they are first. And usually what shoes they're wearing, right? Yeah. Well, That's I'm really a helpful. shoe. I, if you're wearing, <laughs> I learned a long time ago, yeah. um, judge a person by their shoes. They Absolutely. could have the nicest yeah. suit on, but Absolutely. if they are wearing beat up tennis shoes, they're probably going to stab you in the neck with a shift. That's true. And yeah. all day um, in children's court yesterday, that's what I was watching. Was looking yeah. at shoes. shoes. We got Let's look at shoes. Who's got Yeezys on? That guy's got a shift. That's right. That guy's wearing Buster Browns. I don't trust him as far as I can tell. Oh, Buster Browns. Thank you. you. Is that a thing? Yeah, that was an old oh. school thing. Yeah. Oh, man. We Somebody lost the millennials just got, again. Uh, Dan just flew, you, flew over you Buster there, young Browns? I missed, uh, I missed that one. It was a child shoe that was promoted heavily when Brian and I used to watch cartoons on Saturday mornings. Now there's cartoons 24-7 right. yeah. and on YouTube. Yes. But uh, back in the day, it was only Saturday mornings because children were only to enjoy themselves 
for part of the day on Saturday. Two and a half hours a week. Right. That was it. And back to the mines, kids. Yep, that's it. Yeah. Uh, Continue, my friend. Well, I'm curious. So you guys have had the conversation. Let me just quarterback that. Yeah. We want to give the the Christian worldview. So what is it that defines morality? What is it that defines uh, hope? Mm -hmm. What is it that kind of gives principles of guidance and what does success look like in life? You just want to talk through that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, and again, this has been a journey for me because, and it's interesting that you said that when you first met me that you didn't, you didn't know I was a Christian. And part of me is like, oh man, I, I'm not, I'm not doing my job because, uh, you know, if nothing about my life said, Hey, this guy, because as, as a Christian, one of your hopes is a lot of times, Hey, I hope my life is is just a little bit different, so that maybe maybe it will resonate the the hope that I have in me, which for us is Christ. But also, it's interesting as you talk about that because, like at that time when I first met you, I was still figuring it out. I was figuring out my faith, and I was I was not sure about a lot of things because I didn't grow up in the church. And for me, the older I get and the more I study and the more grounded I get in my faith, like my hope, because like Jill and I, when we had kids and. You know, my dad died before I ever had kids, and so we had my mom, but she wasn't super present in my life always. Um, And so having that family structure and having that kind of hope, while great and comforting, wasn't always available to me. And the more that I realized that my hope and my foundation was in something greater than any human or any any human compassion or anything like that, and for me, it's, it's knowing that I have a Savior that has has provided for me and gives me that great comfort no matter no matter what not that I don't suffer not that I don't have pain but that my hope is there and my hope is also in living eternally with gets gets for me that that's the thing as I, I look at having hope forever like when I die if it, if this is all there is that's kind of what resonated me with me when I first started coming to faith it's like wow because there are so many disappointments here and there's so much up and down, especially, you know, in the business that you and I are in, Brian, it's, you know, freelancing is just like today you're high, tomorrow you're low. And then you kind of get used to trying to find the, the happy middle there. And yeah, if it's, I, if it's I, called living your life outside of the business. Exactly. Continue. Continue. But, yeah. But if I, but if I look to that, if I look to career or if I look to even, even my spouse all the time for, because how many times do you guys maybe, you know, you and your spouse see something differently or have a fight or whatever, you know, I can't look to any one person to make me to make me happy or give me peace or give me hope and I, I look to something greater than myself but for me as a Christian would be Christ and I look to that and that hope that hope of eternity where there's no more pain there's no more, no more suffering especially when you do see people who are sick you see people who are dying you see people who are suffering in so many different ways and I think man is that all there is it's just that and then you're dead you know yeah, and I think um, I get to travel the answer is yes <laughs> <laughs> if you're asking me, continue. Yeah, I get yeah. to travel, and so I got to be in Haiti back in February. And you look at people who, from birth to grave, their lives are just unfathomably difficult for yeah. us, right? And it's literally the struggle for one, maybe two meals a day. Yeah. Um, our partner there, Greg, was talking about how sometimes when you have more than three or four kids, you have to pick the strongest kid and make sure they get fed first. Um, because you don't have enough food for all, all your kids, and, and you know that one of them's going to die, so you want wow. the strongest one to yeah. survive. And um, I, I think it's it's those kind of things where I, I want to find a hope for those people that's outside of of life, right? Because there's right. nothing in their life 
that brings hope. And I think there's a... Can I, I'm going to stop you for one yeah. second here because okay. this, this would be the agnostic in me that wants to get a little bit deeper with you for a second. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. How do you justify the ones that die? The ones that don't get the food. How? How? If if, if this is the world that yeah. you that you so yeah. talk about, what would be the point of bringing that per, that that child, that person, that human being, that heartbeat into this world if they yeah. never even had a shot? How do you reconcile that with what your beliefs are? How do you get through that? How do you reconcile that? Just talk me through the thought process a little bit more, so I answer the question. Hopefully, how do I reconcile? How do you reconcile the fact that you know you're basically you just told a story? that these parents had some children. And yeah. we in America call them all miracles, right? That's yep. the miracle of birth, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so explain to me how you justify through your religion, through your beliefs, that this that makes sense. It makes sense that children are being born and never even have a chance and are going to suffer from the minute they're born to the minute they die, whether that's six months, a year, mm-hmm. five, five years, whatever it is. How do you reconcile with that? How does that, how does that make sense to your worldview? Right. Yeah, that's a good, good question. And I think Great that, question. That was part of the question I asked you earlier is how do we account for evil in the world, right? Yeah. How, do, how does our worldview help us understand the fact that bad things happen to people? Um, so I'll give you an answer, and you might not... Uh, it might not, not work for you, but it'll try anyway. I think it's helpful to zoom out of the kid in Haiti and think maybe at the thirty to 40,000 foot range for a second. And from a biblical standpoint, the worldview of the Bible is that God created a good world and that mankind rejected that world. And that rejection led to a fundamental brokenness, not just in the created order, but in individual people. And so from a Christian worldview, I think one of the ways you and I would differ is you see people as, as fundamentally good and there's some some oddballs out there who are really, truly terrible. Um, but from the Christian worldview, we would say that people are fundamentally broken. And that brokenness shows itself in all kinds of different ways, right? That brokenness shows itself where I was yesterday, where you have moms who love their kids, but they also love meth, right? And they have to make that choice, and they make the wrong choice in a lot of times. They're trying to, to fill a void in their life, and they do it in the wrong way. That brokenness shows itself in hyperbolic ways, like Hitler, right, where you have people... Uh, who systematically exterminate a group of people that they don't like. Or Stalin. Or Stalin, yeah. Thank you. Others. Yes. Um, it shows itself in, in the created order in terms of there's disease and death and sickness. It shows itself in that kid's life in Haiti and the fact that he's part of a system and a government that doesn't care about the destitute and the impoverished. They care about just having the wealthier be more wealthy. And the biblical answer to that brokenness um, is, is an internal fixing of that, right? So um, collectively, there's nothing that I can do to fix my own brokenness. There's nothing that kid can do. There was nothing that Hitler could do. There's nothing that the mom yesterday could do um, because the brokenness is inside of each one of us. And I don't have the ability to fix what's fundamentally wrong with me. I need something outside of me to fix that, right? And so from a biblical standpoint, we would call that spiritual deadness, that I don't have the spiritual vitality needed to turn myself around. I need someone to come and rescue me from my brokenness. And so we would believe that God sent his son in order to do that to provide life. And so the, the, the big picture answer to why that happens is um, that we live in a broken world. God created a perfect world. Mankind rejected that. And God has come to fix it. And one day he is going to bring an end to all the sickness and sorrow and death and sadness. Is that too facile? 
No, it was a great story, but the... <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's a great story. Yeah, but no, no, no. And I'm, you know, I, know. I, I can do I that with you. I know, yes. I know you get the joke. I mean, I, I'm not trying to, you know. This, this is know. what the world should be doing more, yes, is having exactly. open dialogue exactly. and, be able, to, and right. be able to josh a little bit. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry. It was a softball, dude. I, I, Jan knows what I'm talking about. Like you, it was just there was just that one moment of silence. I'm like, I can take this moment. And I keep worked. thinking about that moment of silence you had with Dan when he asked you how you could pray for you. You asked him if he was in a 12 step program. Yeah, I just keep thinking about. Oh my god, it's always got to take the moments of silence around yeah. that. Um, uh, no, I see. I guess the the, the issue that I still have. Yeah. And what I mean by a great story was that I get how that makes sense to you is what I mean by that. Yes. Ultimately, take the sarcasm out of it. I get how that makes sense to you. But the thing that I can't let go of, mm-hmm. which I'm, you can correct me if I'm wrong based on what you were telling me, I can't let go of how much collateral damage is inside of what you just told me. It's too much. And I can't let go of the collateral mm-hmm. damage. I'm sorry, but I can't. Yeah. You know, I love war movies, right? Sure. And war documentaries. And I watch people just get obliterated that are just 18 years old, sign up for war, get sent over, step off a boat, done, it's over. And that's happening. And I don't, but right. it's saying, yeah, yeah. I don't right. get it. I don't, I don't right. get childhood pediatric cancer. I don't yeah. get, you know what I mean? Right. I don't I get, get pedophiles. I don't understand. Like, right. the, to me, I just, I, I, that's the part where I'm like, that's. That's where you lose me every single time. Right. And I don't think I'm alone in that ideology. And I know you Absolutely. know for a fact. Yeah. I'm sure you guys have Absolutely. both heard it oh, yeah, yeah, a yeah. million times right. before. Is I don't I don't get, you know, I, all the, uh, the, the 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 carnage. I just don't get, no, it, I get in, it in many different ways. I get it. And part of part and what you're saying resonates with me and part of it for me too is not only looking at the outside and looking at all the things like you do look at I know that you were saying it's a smaller percentage of of, of people who you think the wiring is not right but if yeah. you look at if you look at the history of humanity man will do the most horrific things to man globally in huge numbers so to me the numbers aren't small and it's not a small number of people that's what helps it helps drive my worldview is that I see this brokenness everywhere. And you know where I see it most is when I look inside myself. And that was the thing when I first came to faith, when I looked at the fact that most of the time, my first instinct is to choose the wrong thing. It's to, if I'm going to be honest with myself, my first instinct to get out of a situation is to maybe tell a lie or to maybe take a shortcut around something or to maybe be a complete jerk and say something, you know, in a moment of frustration or anger or whatever that I don't know what's going on with the other person. I'm just just uh, being honest about myself, I, I look at my own brokenness, and I was like, "How the hell do I he- how do how do I fix this, and how do I address this?" And that's one of the things for me is looking at my own brokenness, thinking, "Man," and I know some people will say, "Ah, oh, you're being too hard on yourself," but I, see, to me, I, I think that brokenness is is again to to your point, I, Jared. I see it. I see it more prominent than I see people who are who are good because I think a lot of us end up choosing the wrong way yeah. before we choose the right way. I want to get back to your, yeah. your question in just a second, but I think even what we were just talking about before we started taping here is like my wife has revealed selfish, deep selfishness in my own heart. And it's not my wife who did that. That was just there. And it's just been... <laughs> just been this revelation of wow, I'm really a jerk. And every kid that we've had come through is just another revelation that yeah, there's like there's something in me too. So I think there's these these big expressions of that. But I think, did I already say this? If not, I meant to. Uh, there was an author named G.K. Chesterton who talked about, used to be an atheist, came to faith in Christianity, and 
um, was a reasoned person. It wasn't an unreasonable kind of conversion for him. And, and he would talk about, the, for him, Christianity was the key that fit the lock. So it didn't answer all the questions, but when he looked at the world, it helped him make sense of things in a way that no other worldview did. And I think that's what it's been for, for you and for me. In regards to the carnage, yeah, I mean, I think any worldview that purports that there's a God who's benevolent has to account for that, right? That how, if God's so benevolent, then why are things the way they are, right? Right. The typical argument is either God's not good or he's not capable. Or he's not capable, right? right. If God was good, then he wouldn't let these things happen. If he was capable, he would have the ability to stop it. So one of those can't be true. And again, at the 30,000-foot level, in a way that probably doesn't satisfy all the questions that we have kind of existentially, right? Um, I think the answer is that there must be something better than simple physical human flourishing, right? That if the goal of everything that exists is for all of us to live a comfortable life, um, then God is failing. If there's another goal, if I could even say that there's a better goal beyond that, then there would be a sense in which some of the things that we see in the world could be, could be more accounted for if those all contributed to the greater, a greater good. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Look, one of the things um, that I do think that I'm, that I'm glad for a lot of people that have religion in their life is when their time comes to be able to have that comfort Mm-hmm. And your last final couple breaths. Sure. You and I talked about that when your yeah. mom passed. Yeah. You know, there there is a level, like to me, I look at that, there's a, it, I, it removes some of the loneliness, some of the fears, right? Yeah. Like yeah. There, 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 there's, in respects to that, just, you know, in a, in a microcosm, in respects to that, yes. I think, um, I think that's a, that's a good thing. I think that um, religion for many people in this world has made them live good people lives and good lives <laughs> and have made, and have made great impact on, on yeah. people's lives Un- yeah. unknowingly. Going back to what I was telling you before, like um, not having to go, hi, I'm Dan Satchoff, Christian. Right. <laughs> Would you like to be my friend? It's on his business card. It is on my is, card. Yeah. But yeah, you know what I mean? Is. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, yeah, yeah. insert anything there. Yeah. Hi, I'm yeah. whatever, whatever. Right. The answer right. is, do you right. want to be my friend? No, because yes. you didn't. You gave me way too much up front. And that you're creepy. You're already yeah. getting in my grill. <laughs> you're, you're already going to try to upsell me, right? Upsell um, you, yes, it's true. It's an in-app purchase, really. Yeah. Right. Can I ask you a question? Because I want to bring this back around. I think it's yeah. a natural loop here. Yeah. You you started this program talking about politics, and I want to ask you guys a genuine question because I think we touched on this last time. Is a lot of people have the perception that Christianity is tied to republicanism, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And there's this war going on, this culture war going on in the United States of America that Republicans don't believe in health care for everybody. They don't believe in taking care of the sick. They believe right. in capitalism. Mm-hmm. So the ideology of most agnostics is, so that means that Christians don't believe that everybody should have access to health care because the Republicans don't believe that everybody should have free health care. So if you believe in free health care, you're a socialist. So I want to ask you a question based on what you were talking about before about this broken soul thing, that we're all broken and that there's this ideology that if we all followed this ideology, we would get closer to what God wanted which is a, a better a better world for everybody, then why why are we not trying to solve stuff like that? Why do we why do we label it something negative when we know that if everybody had access to healthcare that would be a good thing and that would be inspiring and it would make the world a better place if we took care of each other? Yeah. Why is that seen as a negative? And why why is the 
the Christian right that is affiliated with republicanism mm -hmm. seen as some of the people that get in the way of that. Because that is a rub, and I think that does hold people back mm -hmm. from wanting to be a part of what you guys are talking, what, what a part of what you guys are, mm -hmm. which is what I think keeps a lot of people away, is mm -hmm. they associate those two things, right or wrong, Talking about kneeling in the anthem, yeah. right or wrong? Sure. Is that a missed message? Right. I don't know. But I'm going to throw that out to you guys because it kind of feels like, you know, sure. yeah. based on what you told me. Can I, you got this? Can I take this? Well, yeah, you got it. No, you got it. No, you got it. Uh, I, wanted, I want you to know I agree with you. I think, um, you know, as we were researching candidates, my wife and I, we kept coming up against this. You know, I'm, I'm conservative on some issues. So in regards to family values, what I believe the Bible teaches about that would lead me to be conservative in those areas in regards to marriage and other things. But I find myself increasingly more progressive on issues of immigration and healthcare and education and things like that um, in a way that really puts me at odds with the traditional categories politically. And I think that's true of a lot of people of my generation. Historically, in, in American evangelicalism, um, with the rise of Jerry Falwell and the moral majority and things like that, um, evangelical faith became inextricably wed to Republican ideals. And, and there's, there's something to that in terms of, again, what we believe on abortion and, and other things. But I think what Christians have done a really bad job and what they've been resistant to, and actually I'm encouraged because there's a generation of, of evangelicals today who are more vocal about this than they've ever been. Uh, there's an organization called the Gospel Coalition. Um, they just had a conference out here and has this blog, and they're continually talking about how do we, how do we own uh, the ways that we've contributed to racism in the United States. Right. How, do we, how right. do we think about immigration helpfully? There was an article by an African-American pastor who's in D.C. by the name of Thibidi Anyabwile. And, uh, he say was that talking, three times, please. Yeah, it really hurts. <laughs> but when Trump came out with his immigration policy, he said, you know, people like that are in my church, and they're my family, right? So to talk disparagingly of people from countries saying that they have nothing to offer us is asinine. And so I think there's a, a growingly vocal hopefully majority of younger evangelicals who are recognizing we've not lived in a way that's consistent with our faith, right? We've talked about wanting to care for the poor. And there's so many passages, Brian, that talk about God's heart for the impoverished, for the widow, widows and orphans, disenfranchised, right? for the downtrodden, for the, um, for the foreigner, um, for the exile. Yep. And so we just all have to own that Christians have done a really bad job in living in a way that's consistent with that. And, you know, like you were admitting, I'll admit too, we strive for a certain ideal in life, and there's ways in which we just fail. And I think generationally, um, a certain generation focuses on a particular issue, and they tend to get that issue right to the exclusion of some of the others. And so I think my generation is admitting we've not thought about the social implications of the gospel that we preach. And shame on us. We need to, we need to be grieved and repent of the ways that we haven't done that. And we need to try to, to be different and to train our children differently. Um, so I, I think that's a, a fair criticism, and I hope that, that my generation and others, and that's not just young people, there's older people doing it too, are want to do a better job of being more consistent in that. I don't care. I mean, honestly, the thing that I should be most impassioned about is not whether or not um, my taxes go up, right? If I could provide a, a service like healthcare to people, then I should be more concerned about living out the gospel implications of my worldview than I am about protecting my assets from a capitalist standpoint. And I think part of that, too, though, you could say, like, and I agree, I agree with a lot of what you said, because I talk about evolution. I've had evolving views on a lot of this stuff, and it comes from my faith. 
So um, I think it, it gets down for me too. How do you identify? Because early on, like years ago, my, my mom was a very active in politics. So I grew up kind of in politics and I loved it. And I loved, like you said, I loved the sport of it. It was more about just winning and beating the other guy and less about the ideology. Although there's some of the ideology, I'll address something you said in a minute, Jared, uh, along those lines. But it's, it's, it's the label too that are, is your main label a Christian? Or is your main label a conservative or a Democrat or a libertarian? Like for me, for years, my main label was a political label. So that's how I identified. And if, if I'm going to witness to somebody, it's going to be about politics. I'm going to convert them and say, hey, but have you thought about this? You know, Ronald what, Reagan came to save you from your sins. Exactly. You know? But now I would much rather lead with the gospel and, and that rather than putting all my hopes in any political party or any one person. And to your point, there's, I've been thinking about this since you talked about the, the Mormons that you saw. Christians are so guilty of that. And I think we need to be honest about that in terms of we're going through the book of James right now in this small group that we have on Thursdays. And James is a book that basically talks about putting your faith into action. Um, and some Christians will end up reading that and be like, well, that's, that's what we call legalism because it's saying you're just doing good things and you're not trusting and trusting in God. But one of the natural outcroppings of faith and the gratitude that you have for, for what Christ has done for us, for giving us eternity with no more pain, with no more suffering is, is serving others. You know what I mean? And putting other people ahead of ourselves. And I think as, as Christians, we're guilty of that. I would say also in the, in the political realm of things, you're right. If it's all about selfish things in terms of, hey, you know, I want lower taxes just because I want to go buy a Maserati. But also you would look at if my taxes are a little bit lower in some situations, I'm all for trying to help people. But one of the things that we do through through church is is give to to help people. So, you know, when we tithe, it's called tithing, uh, where you give to the church, 10% of your income is where you start. And you can give more, you can give less, whatever. But um, if my taxes are a little bit lower... I, that's that much more that I can give to try to help in some situation. I think also we have to be careful of of demonizing people's intentions because what we'll do is we'll, a lot of times like we'll say, well, the Democrats are just doing, and, and we'll judge their intentions with something and say, well, you're a commie rather than, hey, you may just have a different way you want to get to something than a conservative would. But also, like for me, somebody who came from a hardcore Republican background growing up because my mom was a committee woman and all that kind of stuff, my faith has given me a huge change in terms of, I remember our pastor, David Haig, at church one time was talking about, you know, we're trying to do these mission trips to go to parts of the world that are really impossible to reach in terms of Muslim countries, places that are completely restrictive and you can risk death by going over there. But we've got all these people who are coming to us right now so what better way to share the gospel with them and share faith god's bringing them right to our doorstep and that that changed my 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 views in a lot of ways of saying hey you know what yeah that's uh, that's really valid is is not demonizing people who are who are coming here and not that you don't want to have some safeguards and you you do want to try to process people the best way you can so if there are people who have evil intentions and malicious intentions you want to try to prevent that if you can to to, to save innocent people but also you want to do you want to provide because if your first label is christian you should be looking to the other person's welfare first, not necessarily your own. So like there there has been an evolution with me and things like that, and that all has come out of my faith. And the American dream, yeah, in a lot of ways is antithetical to what the gospel is about and the claims that Absolutely. makes in my life. And I think, again, uh, American Christians haven't done a great job 
thinking through that for themselves, for their families, for their churches, and even talking about that in a way, right? I think absolutely. there's a lot of books that have been written in the last 10 years just taking aim at the fact that, yeah, Christians have tried to build a comfortable life and do some small modicum of good, you know, almost to try to pay penance. And that's not... Yeah. The, the gospel makes a radical claim on me, right? Jesus can ask me to do whatever he wants me to do. With no promise of, of yeah. a great I'm life. I'm not a Christian so that I can do whatever I want. Right. Right. I think uh, I think I just heard. Did you hear the sound of the bottle opening? Heard the sound, so we got a lot more to talk about. And thankfully, uh, yeah. we're not going anywhere. Although oh, I'm going to go eat a hot dog, and this might be the end. It's from Excellent. it's it's at a place at the Home Depot. They sell hot. Dogs oh, you're going the to the Depot. cart. Yeah. Oh, so the cart. you might never see me again. Don't don't ever don't ever deny trucks or carts. <laughs> no. You always got to give it a sh- look. Sometimes it's going to pay off poorly. Well, and even uh, when but then it does. there's other times. Where yeah. it always tastes good. Right, it always tastes good. <laughs> In that, Mexico, my mom would always tell me, don't you dare eat at that taco stand. Which for me was like, I'm going to eat at that, oh, that taco, taco stand. stand. Exactly. it was delicious, and she was right, and I don't regret it at all. I think it was probably because it was called El Salmonella. That it might was, have been the reason she didn't want you to eat there. So Delicious. Yeah. All right. Uh, gentlemen, this will be continued. Until next uh, time. Until next time. Thank you. Drive safely. Good night. <laughs>